Hey, what's going on, Bean Babe? I am so excited. I have JD Graham here, best-selling author of The Soul Grind. You guys, this book is so good, and it touched my heart, my soul. Um, it has your your mind thinking. It's one of those books that like you pick up and you're like totally entrenched in it. And then you're like, I have to put this down for a second because I just need to like process everything I just read. Um, she gets super vulnerable, gritty, um, spiritual, and just intimate. And this book was really, really special because I actually got to work on this project with JD. And so it holds a special place in my heart. And I feel super honored. Um, you know, what I like to do for you guys is find other women who are doing kick-ass things in the world and not being afraid to show up as their authentic selves. And so by doing that and by finding these women, sharing their stories, we can find ourselves in their stories. So I think you will definitely resonate. Maybe you haven't gone through the same thing, but you will see yourself in her story, in her struggle, in her triumph. And I am just so excited. So without further ado, we're going to get this party started. What's going on, JD? Hey, I am so excited to be here. Uh, I'm totally feeling the beam bean babe energy right now yeah. too so i'm so i excited. know it, it's a good mid-morning pick me up right <laughs> yes. so tell our listeners just um a little bit about who you are and just you the fabulous you um i am a very complex woman um i love that question because i think normally as women we go straight to like our accomplishments what we've accomplished um, possibly the letters behind our name. Um, I am very proud of those things because I worked very hard for them, but I'm most um, honored and proud of the woman I am today because of everything I've been through. So I am a messy woman. I am a woman with um, a very hard, you know, past full of lots of different journeys and trenches and stories and um, just pieces that make me who I am. I'm also a social worker. I'm a mom. I am a sober healing woman and um, recently an author. So there is a lot of things that I think you could say that I do, but who I am is what's most important to me. And I think that, you know, finally in this chapter of life, I'm allowed to like own all of her. So it feels really good. Damn, that feels good, huh? Right? It's just like, this is me. I love her. Let me celebrate her all. And, and I love your answer so much because you're so right. As women, we always feel like we have to lead with all the things we've done because somehow that makes us more like valid to our peers or to other people or, or even to ourselves. Right. So I love that you just call that out um, point blank. And while we, while those things are important, because like you said, we work hard for those um, for those letters, for those accomplishments, for those certificates, for those accolades. Um, the, the thing I really loved about your story, which we're going to get into next in your book is you really specifically talk about honoring that past and the hard stuff, because that's what allows us to be who we are and make the impact that we're doing. So tell me a little bit more about, so you do you know, you're a social worker. Um, and I know that that is also part of just your passion and mm -hmm. it just 
is so much, it tells so much about your character, but tell me a little bit more about kind of like how you got to where you are now. Um, so exactly what you said, I think is a great segue into that because um, I call that like our in-betweenness. So the in-betweenness of where we have been and where we desire to be. Um, my in-betweenness is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, and it's also the thing I want women to know that I want them to talk about more. I think that we often talk about where we are now um, and like our like the overcoming version of us or the one that's already kind of like at the finish line or close to it. And I really, you know, think it's the most important to say to especially young women or other women going through the same things like I am here, but let me tell you how I got here. So um, I love that question. And I definitely have been through a lot of different paths in my life to be able to be where I am today, but I chose social work, the profession, um, because I'm really passionate about women and I'm passionate about single, single parent um, families. And I'm really passionate about domestic violence survivors, as well as um, the real self-discovery, the healing version, the version where um, you literally break open. That's my favorite piece to work with. Um, because not only is it the hardest to get to, but is the most powerful parts of our lives. Um, so those pieces of me um, are definitely, you know, discovering, I lived a life of numbness for a long time. I lived a life of, you know, trying to figure out where my worthiness lied, trying to seek that and validation and in you know, sexual experiences or in relationships or in drugs or in alcohol. Um, and so really I didn't land into being able to really pursue social work until um, my divine intervention that was becoming pregnant when I was 20. And it, that was my true wake up of being able to say I was worthy um, of something more and doing something more and not surviving or trying to anymore but like really trying to thrive and be able to mm. bring all this pain and make something beautiful out of it instead of it just being pain and darkness yeah and I think it takes a lot of courage to just kind of own that and show up and it and it doesn't happen overnight you know and I think a lot of the times, and I think, uh, you know, sometimes I get guilty of this too. People always like, you're always so positive and you always put this positive front. And I'm like, don't let that fool you that mm -hmm. it's not hard. It's that it's not hard for me too, that I haven't been through hard things. We've all been through super hard things and we don't always have to be positive and just be like, it's okay. Just get through this and sweep it under the rug. I love, and we'll get into it more. You do talk about numbness. And I think that that is a major thing that we completely ignore as women because we don't even know what's happening. Like we don't even know we're numb until no. finally it stings. And we're like, oh, ouch. Okay, I'm not numb. Yeah, what hurt. was that feeling? Yeah. <laughs> um, haven't felt like, that in a while. Yeah, yeah, whoa, I need to like wake the F up right now. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, I love that. And 
again, guys, you've got to really dig into this book and read it because a lot of the things that she's talking about so surface level, because we could literally make a six day podcast out of (laughs) all these things. Um, You've got to like dig into these stories and we'll dig into a few of them. It's like a perfect segue because I want to talk about your book, The Soul Grind, Finding Light Amidst the Trenches. And you're a best-selling author. I mean, hello. Crazy. So amazing. Crazy and fabulous and so well-deserved. But at what point did you like recognize and kind of have that um, affirmation within that you're like, I need to write a book? Like, what did that look like to you? Well, it first started, I had the most powerful, as you'll read in the book, there's a lot of times I went and either was forced to, or like signed up for therapy in different phases of my life. But, um, there was one time when I chose it, I was actually a lot older and it was the most powerful work I've ever done in a therapy office. And within her walls, we had big post-it notes and we decided to you know, go through the timeline of my life. And during that, during each session for about a year, um, we went through and I wrote significant areas in a timeline and what kind of occurred because so much has happened in such a short amount of time. Even myself was like, oh my, like, did this happen first or did this happen second? Or like, this is so much. It was really powerful for me to see how much I actually went through or put myself through or that occurred in such a short period of time and why that rocked my world. But after I finished with her, I actually took that home and I began to start, you know, journaling through it first. And so Mm. after I did that, I became bold enough and brave enough to say part of my healing journey is going to be owning some of this. I was raised in a culture of, you know, silence and we don't talk about this. We don't talk about that. We don't own you know, our stories, we suffer, you know, behind closed doors, or we suffer um, and put a happy face on and we keep on going or the complete opposite. I just like, literally was in years of just rebellion and numbness, and I didn't care anymore. So I then turned, you know, those journaling in these moments um, into posts on social media. And after I did that, Um, people were encouraging, um, to start blogging or whatever, because it, people definitely where I was raised and around where I was raised were very like, what is this? Like truth on social media. I cannot believe this. So the more that I did that, I started copying and pasting those pieces. And then I started, like, I looked at them one day on a word doc and I was like, it became more and more pages and um, they started to like form, you know, together. And I was like, why in the world, if I've seen how many it resonates with on social media and in conversations, why in the world would not, would I not just fill in the gaps and fill in the other missing pieces and create a book out of it. So, so many more people can be touched and loved on than just my social media outlets. Yes. Gosh, I love that so much. I um, I think it's really cool what you also talked about, like putting that timeline together. That's something I've been doing over this last two years since my divorce. Because you you when you go through something traumatic, you try to find answers. 
why? Absolutely. Why did this happen to me? How did I even get here? Like, how did I get in this position? And like, how did I make that decision? I don't want to do that again. So it's like, how, how do we get out of, like not make that mistake again? And I think we always want to blame the other people and the other circumstances. And well, it's because this is how I was raised or it's because that person did that to me. Or, you know, I was influenced by my peers and I didn't know better. And, and while some of those things might be true at the end of the day, we don't claim responsibility. And so we can't fix it. Right. Cause we didn't claim Absolutely. the responsibility of it. So I think it's, it's so amazing. And, and it's really truly powerful when we actually do put that timeline together. Cause we forget there's been a lot of focus lately. And I, and I really want to dive into it in your book on, um, you know, like women's, relationships with men or lack thereof mm -hmm. and how it's it's a very triggering thing but a lot of women myself included when it was happening you didn't even freaking know and you forget and then all of a sudden you watch something in a movie or you talk to a friend or you read something in a really? book and you're like oh my god I I'm like really having like a visceral reaction to this right now yeah. like this oh my god I, I totally can feel that pain and I understand and because I'm no longer that woman and you're no longer that woman, we forget. But then you also, I love that you came to that point where you're like, this could help other people not have to do that too. Well, and I think yeah. you just brought up something really important that when we are like trudging through our live stories, like there is a power in knowing yourself better and like understanding why you do what you do or why you did what you did. Um, mm -hmm. And I think especially with reoccurring, like, you know, relationships, or let's say after heartbreak, and you're like, let me put together some of these pieces, like, what was I trying to, what need was I trying to meet? Or why am I doing this? Or why are my cycling, like, why are my cycles continuing? It can be so powerful and empowering to understand yourself, like, and oh, to yeah. understand and why you cope the way you do, why you act the way you do, why you love the way you do, why you argue the way you do. Like when you get to know yourself on those type of levels, like there is such a power to that. And the only mm -hmm. way that is by literally going through all those hard things again, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to stay there and like remain in there, but you do have to visit them. I feel like you oh, do yeah. have to get back in there and figure it out and love yourself through it and understand. So who you are now, you have better understanding of her. Yes. And I love, I always feel like you even go back to what you said at the very beginning, that in-betweenness, I feel like I'm in a constant state of in-betweenness. You know, there's never like, I've never, I have yet to be like, I've arrived. This yeah. Is good. No. <laughs> no. You know, we're always there. We're always working. So um, I love, I love that it's like, just because we've gone past it doesn't mean we're, we're where we're going to be, but we should, the next little stretch of path, you know, we should definitely see how we got to this place and how we're going to get to the next place with better tools. You Absolutely. Know? Um, so kind of going on, you know, with all this whole topic and theme, um, I know that a lot of this book talks about like trudging through your life and being in the trenches. And of course the title is like finding light. So, right. So I want to know like, what does the soul grind mean? Cause I know it's a community. 
But what does that mean to you? And why did you decide to title the book this way? Um, when I started the Soul Grind community, that was my opportunity to truly get past the surface um, and do some soul work. So that's where soul comes in is that it's no longer surface. It's all about getting underneath the surface. It's all about doing things that are, you know, really hard to do. Um, soul work to me is really like getting in your trenches, doing that in-between work that we were talking about. And then um, grind is actually for soul grind. I mean, for coffee grinds, because wow. um, I love coffee. And I also have had some of the most powerful conversations with coffee in hand. There is something about being in a coffee shop. There's something like about holding coffee or looking forward to it, especially when I quit drinking. Um, coffee was like a really peaceful and like safe thing to drink. And it, I always had it in the company of like such amazing people. Um, whether I was in therapy, whether I was, you know, meeting a mentor or someone that I needed to ask hard questions to, whether it was like in my work or doing things in my profession or support groups or anything like that, like it became like part of my grind. Um, and it became part of something that, you know, felt really good and felt really me. And I think that's when I started finding what felt me and like what, mm -hmm what was my jam now in this new phase of my life and coffee definitely helped me arrive. So, um, how, when people say like, I go places and like my people, like people have places they love to go. It could be like a beach or like whatever. And they're like, I just feel at peace. You can stick me in any coffee shop and I'm like all those. You're going to find your people. Yeah. I don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. They don't know who I am, but we're, we're peoples. So like, it just feels like I can grind really good in there. I can write really good in there. I can also do anything else. Um, so, yeah, the combination of that is doing your work and doing it alongside coffee. I love it. And it's so funny, you know, like I mentioned, we worked together on this book and I was, you know, I told the listeners that, but one thing I never actually knew was where the grind part came from. I always assumed it was like, hustle, like do the grind, which it can translate to that too. It totally can. But it's like, duh, I knew you loved coffee. We talked about our love for coffee. I'm like also dreaming about coffee as we speak. <laughs> I just discovered this great new shop down the street, total sidebar, best lattes, oat milk. I'm in heaven, all the things. Yeah. When you yeah. come, we'll, when you come visit, we'll uh, I'm going to come. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So um, I think that's awesome. And, and, and that's the best part. I love doing these podcasts because I'm learning and growing right alongside all of our listeners. And it's just the beauty of women empowering each other. Um, so you've mentioned now your recovery and your sobriety a couple times. Um, and I know that you have used this book and your therapy and kind of getting all this out as a huge part of your healing. Um, and now that like ultimately is translating into you helping and, and not only through your social work, but through your soul grind community and your social community and people now reading your book. So exciting. Yeah. So 
you know, we talk about a lot of different things in this book. Um, but I know in our pre podcast conversation, we kind of talked about like redefining what sobriety looks like to you now. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I definitely think that sobriety and codependency, which I'm now learning a lot about, um, I feel like the word codependent had this horrible taste in my mouth. And I was like, I just had this already formulated image, like situation, everything like already planned out of what sobriety and codependency was. And so I've had to really like dive into my true definition of both of those and how it's actually not anything of what I thought it looked like or feels like. Um, And what I've like really discovered is that, you know, our, especially I definitely have an addictive personality and that, that carries and translates into every area of my life. Like we were talking about coffee. I will drink the same coffee like religiously for like a month straight and then I'll, you know, it'll be dead to me. And then the next yeah. hour do that, I'm the same way with my Spotify playlist or the, you know, songs, I will wear them all the way out and then be like, you're dead to me. And then I will pick something else. And so it is like, I have realized the more open I am, the more habitual I am and the more like I'm able to not shame or judge my tendencies. Instead, I'm able to say, oh my goodness, I totally see that about myself, you know? And I've, I've had to like literally just own that and be able to say like, that's part of who I am also. And how can I make sure that these habits or these like things I'm being so relentless in are healthy. And that's one piece that I know you and I really talked about was that, you know, codependency and that addictive like feeling or that, you know, mindset um, definitely comes from a lot of things also in my childhood and a lot of things that, you know, stemmed from relationships or experiences or the environments I was in. Um, And it's more, it has been more like, I want to say like woke to me (laughs) this past month than ever before, because it is like, I read me and you talked about codependency no more. And then oh, I've been reading, so um, I've been reading some other, um, just sobriety materials. Cause I'm in a whole new phase of like looking at my sobriety. And I think it's opened me to be able to have a lot more kinder lens. Um, but I also in this process have realized how much unfinished business I have. Um, and unfinished business, meaning like there are so many things that may be due to my numbing lifestyle or due to the decisions that I made or due to, you know, where I was at um, mentally and emotionally not available, how many things I wish would have turned out a different way that I am trying to recreate um, in my adult life. And that also comes with you know, the shame that I have over a lot of the decisions or, you know, relationships that I had when I wasn't sober. So Mm. I think I have been able to really mesh sobriety and codependency because codependency and sobriety is not just about drugs and alcohol. It is about 
relationships. It is about um, so much. You can literally be leaning into things without even knowing it in unhealthy ways. It is not oh, yeah. just drugs and alcohol. And I think that that's where our society is very confused is that sober is not just meant for someone that has like an addiction to drugs or alcohol. Like it's, yeah, that's just a small piece. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Cause you know, I work, my other is, is fitness and health and as a trainer, as a coach, as a fitness pro, I have so many clients that are sober from drugs and alcohol, but they have a severe addiction to fitness. Yep. Un like unhealthy. Like I have to yep. like be like, actually, no, you don't need to work out 14 times in a week. Five is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's this um tendency where it's like even when it comes to like logging their food, it's like the guilt and the shame if they miss a day or if they yeah. did something and then there it's this like ah, it like gets in your brain, right? That like, oh my gosh, I should have uh now I'm gonna have to confess and 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 Caitlin's gonna be mad at me. And it's like, I never what? you made all that up. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like these, it's so huge because so it, it, I had just happened in this last year and a half to be surrounded by so many people that are sober and it's a very new community to me. And I am actually so like mind blown how much I actually connect with yes. everyone in this community, because we do have that, like, Oh, well, what was wrong with you? Why are you sober? Like, did you just go on some bender and now like yeah. you need to like be sober? And I think that that's such a huge misconception. And I know for me, that was so naive of me to even think myself of, well, yeah, it just meant that they just probably like blew too many lines and now they're just mm -hmm. screwed and figured it out. So mm -hmm. it's not that at all. It's so much more of a complex thing. And I realized with my addictive personality, my codependency habits I'm like, wow, maybe I don't have it with drugs and alcohol, but I've got it in a lot of other places in my life where it shows up habit after habit after habit in ways that this awareness and this wokeness that you're talking about is, is huge. Yeah. And, and that awareness is that first step, like, okay, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to like dive deep and fix all this and get into it right this second, but I know it's there. Absolutely. And I think that if anyone is struggling to think like, is this a healthy habit or is it not a healthy habit? Whatever it might be for you, because everybody's demons look different. Everybody's shadows look different. Like everybody's like areas that you're going to get pulled at are going to be different. So think like, is this a buffer to my healing? Like, mm -hmm. is this something I'm leaning on to keep from falling flat on my face into things that I need to be paying attention to? And if it is, it's probably something that you should be like looking into. And if it's yeah. something that literally you are like, I'm going to be relentless. I have to do this. Like if it's taxing your mind and your heart and your energy in an unhealthy way, then it's probably something that you have some type of unhealthy attachment to. And there's nothing wrong with it being outside the category of drugs and alcohol. Right. <laughs> like, you can still have power in a lot of people do the 12 steps. I'm just now looking into the 12 steps. Now I'm not like a person when I first chose sobriety, I did not like say, Hey, I want to go to, I think I should go to AA and I should do the 12 steps. I did in a much different way 
And so I'm now like going back and doing some of that work. And the 12 steps can be applied literally to anything in your life. It does not have to be drugs and alcohol. It can be relationships like, and um, it could be fitness. It could literally be, maybe you have lying tendencies or like shopping addiction or anything like that. It can literally, the 12 steps is a journey to be able to like really call yourself out, be humbled, claim a higher power, whatever that might look like for you and to do some of your work. And that can, you can insert anything into those steps. Yes. It's so, so huge. And I'm like, if people are not feeling empowered right now, because I've got like literally like almost tears welled up behind my eyes and like goosebumps because I get so excited about this stuff. But what you said, like, I just have to repeat it to make sure people heard it because it's something I probably also need to listen to. If it's the buffer from helping, from like not letting you get to the healing and not doing the work because you're scared to fall flat on your face, like what? I hope people heard that because that was a wake up call to me too, right? We do. We put all of these um, blockers and blinders in front of us about like, well, if I do this, then I won't actually need to face that right now um, mm-hmm. because that looks a little messy over there and I'm not really ready for this. Yep. So like how many people also going into the relationship category, how many people have you literally seen that are heavy in doing their personal work, heavy in doing things like that? They get in a relationship. And all of a sudden, like they stop going to therapy, they stop doing their steps, they stop, you know, journaling or reading the books they were reading. Like, yeah, th- those are pieces that I think that we need to start paying attention to is that your work should be happening with whoever is in your life. So yes. like some people say that, you know, alcohol or drugs would be that partner representation. Other people, literally, it's a person you know, that you might be leaning into instead of leaning in other places to do your own work. That's so huge. And I think it like segues perfectly. I, you know, we've talked a lot about what your book covers from anything from like resilience, recovery, traumatic adolescence, abuse, healing, spirituality, Mm -hmm. like fabulous, fierce girl power, all those things, right. Um, motherhood. And so there's a couple of, of places in the book that I would actually like to read to you if you're okay with that. And then have you speak a little bit about that because, um, and it's interesting because as I was working through this process with you, you know, I read the book and it's been a minute cause you came out earlier this year and I read a lot of books <laughs> and I went back and I picked this up and I was like, you know, we were talking about what might be some good places and, Um, I was like, wow, the universe like is never coincidental. I really needed this today. And I was like very special. So, um, I'm going to read two different places, but we'll, we'll start with one. And this is towards like the beginning of the book. Um, and, and kind of even before you dig into stuff, but, um, you say the trenches are where our stories, our self-discovery, our fight for our lives and for who we are intended to happen. Our experiencing trudging through them, tear us down and then make us, they mold us and they build us back up. When we speak bravely about our trenches, we honor the warfare we've survived to live and to thrive within our souls. Why would we get to the end of each struggle? 
get that long awaited breath of love, hope, light, and success, and not honor the spirit that brought us here. I visit my trenches often. I don't stay. I go to understand and get to know them more deeply. I love on the pieces of myself that were torn, abandoned, broken, abused, and bruised, and I set set them back with a purpose. So good. And I know we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. Like what, what did you like mean when you were writing this intro part here? Um, I love that part because it's so true. Um, our trenches are like the times when you're going through them, you literally think to yourself most times, like, how am I ever going to get out of this? Or how am I ever going to turn this into something beautiful? Or how is this ever going to be something I would stand up and talk about publicly or verbally or out loud? These are the moments that legit break you. Um, They tear you down. Like Brene Brown says, and I mentioned her later in the book, um, face down in the arena moments. It's those moments that literally you don't know if you're going to make it back up. You don't know if you want to sometimes. And those pieces are the most important. And because what it takes to get up from those pieces is the, the strongest you will ever be. It's the most mental and emotional strength that you'll ever have. And it's the most powerful version of yourself to fight for your life and to get up after some of the hardest things that you've ever experienced. And I, I often, you know, think about all those times, just like you said earlier, um, those things are going to pop up all the time. You know, we're going to see something, we're going to hear something, we're going to feel something, we're going to smell something, and it's going to take us back to our trench. And mm-hmm. I think that now, because I've done the work that I've done, I'm able to feel that and to see myself back in that, but I'm al- now I'm allowing myself to more so own it and to honor myself and love myself through it. When previously, when I was in the trench, I had nothing but shame and darkness and depression and, you know, feeling really unworthy and small. And so now I'm able to, from getting in so many times and getting back out this time, I'm able to look down at her and maybe it's my smaller version or the teen in me or the young mom in me. And I'm able to tell her like, you're going to get out and this is going to make you the most powerful version of yourself that you've ever been. Like, mm. and, and every time that this part is read out loud, I can actually picture myself in my childhood bedroom, green apple, nasty carpet, green apple, nasty walls. And I remember like I used to do all my homework on the ground with the lights off. I'm like low key, like nocturnal, but I still like, <laughs> but I remember just in that moment, like so broken and being like, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to mm-hmm. be, anything. nothing is ever going to be beautiful. And like, I'm just a mess. And so every time I get up and speak, I get to honor her and I get to honor every other piece of my trench. Um, and every other piece it took to get here. But this woman right here is who she is 
because of all those versions. So I honestly feel like it's a cop out and it's not honoring my life if I don't talk about it whenever I can. And I think that we as women need to encourage other women to say, oh, this right now is who you are and you are amazing. But like, let's talk about her. Like, let's bring her up because she brought you here. She got you here. You know, yeah, that is what I really want to focus in on in every avenue is that that's your strongest version. You might think that your end results are your strongest, but those versions are pretty strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, I lean on those past Caitlin's so many times because I'm just like, I don't know. How am I going to get here? I don't even understand. I'm so I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm scared. I don't, you know, how I don't want to get back up. I just feel like I want to pull the covers over my head and stay here for a second. And while it's okay to do that for a moment, Mm -hmm. every time I remember the resilience of who I am, like I say this all the time and I'm going to drop the F bomb. I'm always like, remember who the fuck you are. Like you did not just get here by accident. You are Mm -hmm. not accidental. You needed to go through all those things. And now we can be, you know, beams of light and also learning alongside and not creating that shame. And I, and so, you know, I had, I was just talking with a friend of mine who's really going through a difficult time. And, and we also talked about that, how it's like, oh, I'm so scared to sometimes just be a downer to people. And Uh I'm like, no, that's not what this, no, like this is, you got to talk about it, um, in a place that's safe. And, and then you will get through this and you will come back and remember how you felt and you will come out stronger period. Absolutely. When people like definitely within my life, within my profession, when people come to me in their hardest times, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, it's here. And people are like, what? Like, no, this yes. isn't like I'm pumped yes. for you. And they don't understand in that moment. And then months later or however long it takes them, they will come back and be like, wow. Like that's yes. what you were talking about. Love yes. that. I love it. Um, I have one other piece I want to read because this part in particular, this has been a topic I've actually, it's been a little bit of a sore spot for me and I haven't actually talked about it a lot on my podcast, maybe if ever. And, um, I was really, it's, it's triggering when you read this part of the book, um, about when you were at a party and you meet this guy and you, the way you even describe it, I'm like, oh my God, I, I feel you. I, I know you. Like, are you sure you're not writing my story? Was this me there? And, yeah. and it was, um, so I'm going to like skip around a little bit, but hone in on kind of the end and then we'll leave them on a cliffhanger. So they have to read the rest of the book to figure out what happens and how you get through this. Um, but, you know, you had talked about how you were at a party and you had just met this guy and you said, I had no idea how deeply I was about to lose myself. I would enter a game I should never have begun. And a little later you said, I didn't know this night would change my life, rock my world and cause everything I knew to shift. The woman who was there that night would never be present again. 
So then you talk a little bit about kind of how those first couple of days went. And then you talked about, you're at your friend's house, you ran up, you ran into him and he said, um, he looked at me and told me our fa- our relationship was Facebook official, or it was nothing. I needed to commit publicly, or he had other options. I wasn't ready to commit. We had only known each other for a few days. I liked him. It was fun, but Facebook official. Nope. I didn't roll like that. I laughed, but as he rose up and headed upstairs, I began to feel the rise of what I soon felt every day, shame, worry, and the hustle to not be replaced. Well, should I just do that? I wondered, well, am I lucky to have him? Well, should I just date him because he could just as easily get someone else? Well, I wanted to be single, but maybe I don't, maybe he's it and I can't let it go. Was that controlling? Did he just give me an ultimatum or does he really just like me? Are these other girls just his friends? If I come in, do they go away? Do I need to just make it up there and make this all better? Do I need just to post about him more on Facebook? Am I being too slow and just not showing him I want enough? The rattling of these feels grew as time went on. My thought process became so different. I sat with these feelings and thoughts and feelings. I shuffled them into different compartments and justified some and thought that they were stupid. I was still able to separate what was mine and what was his with my desire for independence and a voice still intact. I made decisions, even the worst of them, with my head held high and not caring what anyone thought. These shifts, these rattles were new to me and had me questioning myself. At that point, I didn't know what a true committed relationship looked like. So maybe this was a thing. Maybe I was just being stubborn. Maybe I should have just asked some questions on those lame note cards back in high school sex ed since I was sitting at the age of 19 with still no clue with all relationship stuff was supposed to look like. There I went, Facebook official, it was. So, woo, yeah, right? And you guys have to continue reading, but oh my God. So first of all, when I read this, it took me back because you, you talk also about like how you went through a period of time where you knew you'd run into people and they knew your body. Like they had felt that experience with you and at this young adolescent stage and youngness, I understand too, there were times in my life where there was promiscuity and I didn't know any other way. And that was the way I sought validation. And I thought that by you know, men, guys telling me that I was cute or pretty, or they wanted to be with me or whatever, even if it was for the night or, you know, long-term, I just Mm -hmm. was so confused because I always knew what I was before that, but how did somehow these people who had zero like impact in my life prior to that moment that we met, did it mean so much? And why did I get so confused? Like Mm -hmm. that's where I, I, my mind is still so much work needs to be done there and healing because I feel so dumb, you know, like I feel so like, how was I so duped and how did I let myself worth be in the hands of somebody else? And so tell me a little bit about that. Like walk us through that. Cause I know everyone on here is like, yes. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. I feel you. I was I definitely got cold chills with you reading that and emotional because coming from your mouth it does feel like you know you were inside my head um and you can tell by you reading out it out loud it hits very different because you can see the 
confusion and the manipulation and the the process that we go through in trying to rewire and understand like where we come from. Mm-hmm. Like when you said that, I'm thinking like all those things, I can see myself sitting on the outside of that apartment on those cement steps, literally with all of that, like going through my head and trying to rationalize, trying to understand with really no data. The only data I have is an unhealthy relationship that I was raised around. So I have that data. And then I have this empowered woman, like this young, reckless, I was young and reckless and like doing whatever I want. Nobody could tell me nothing. And then I have this about to go into this relationship and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to evaluate all these different things and really not knowing any of them. So not knowing if I want to choose some or if I don't want to choose this or what is this? I had literally no idea. Um, but in that moment, that is the, the moment that changed everything for me. Um, it literally, that's the last time that I really had that vocal of a voice in that entire relationship. Um, mm. And it started from a core of confusion and a piece of me trying to figure out how can I both be like, you know, how can I both be not replaced, which is obviously at a place of, you know, I'm needing validation, but also um, I wanted acceptance and love. And I also wanted, you know, not to be replaced. You know, it's almost like, I was sitting there and I'm like, I don't want that, but I don't want anybody else to have it. So I guess I just go ahead and surrender to the process. And in that moment, I decided to start leading with and making my decisions out of shame and guilt instead of like what I thought to my core was actually true to me. But I was so confused um, about who I even was um, and like I was already at a place of like, well, who is, you know, JD at this time, everybody called me Jade. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't even know what I wanted to be called much right. less what I thought was healthy. Um, but yeah, that's a dynamic that I feel, I feel like a lot of young women and a lot of women, my age, your age, everybody's age goes through is that balance of, you know, finding what's actually healthy in comparison to what we've experienced in our lives. Yes. Because to me, that control dynamic was somewhat healthy and acceptable um, because that's all I had seen. So I'm over here like, well, that sounds familiar, but I know that I never said I wanted something. Don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very, um, it's a very hard place, especially if you don't have someone healthy to bounce things off of. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, these communities that are being created, like the Beam Life, like the Soul Grind, it gives people a breath of fresh air and to understand that actually, no, that's not okay. And I don't care if he's got other options, let him go yep. and go find those options because you know yep. what? You don't need to be an option, you yep. don't need to be one of many. And, and Absolutely. that's the thing too is like, surrounding yourself with other people that can kind of be that check-in, that pulse, you know, um, 
but yeah, that part and that chapter, good people. yes, good people. Cause you can easily be surrounded by not so great people yeah, and I also that have that influence. Absolutely. And I think that one thing about who you like, especially in the partying scene that I was in at the time, um, the people that I, most times I was bouncing things off of, you know, were living the same type of life that I was. So you need rattlers. You need yeah. literal people that are like, uh, no, like yeah. this ain't it, you know, this isn't it. Um, cause if not, I remember the first conversation I had with someone when I asked, we, he was a very, like, it was sexually abusive. Um, and so it would happen like ongoing, like a lot of times I remember I asked when I started to open up and started to recognize this, I don't know. I think these things I feel right. mean is unhealthy. Um, I was trying to figure out what that was like. And I remember one of the first people I asked, like, well, do, does everybody do it this much or blah, blah. And she was like, oh, well, that means that he just really likes you. And mm. I remember like in that moment, feeling shame that I felt that, you know, but it was a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I think who we confide in, in those moments is very important in your tribe yes. and the people that surround you need to be real, authentic, amazing individuals. Yeah. And, you know, to be, to listen, because if these people have known you for a long time and they're good and they have a track record of being good and they say something that does rattle you a little bit, it's going to piss you off, especially if you're not ready to hear that. So, you know, being open, I, I have had people tell me things. And in the moment I was like, wow, that was uncalled for. And this is my life. What are you putting in your opinions for? And, and then later I go back and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I should, I should have listened. Um, and so yes, listening to our intuitions and these people that know us. Um, so you are just so like, wise beyond your words. You've done so much healing and just self-discovery. I want to know what's next for you. Well, I am writing my second book. Yeah. (laughs) This one 20 years and up. So, um, for those that have read the book, um, the book ends at a really pivotal moment in my life. And so this is going to be the trenches of the rise instead of just the trenches. The first book is a lot about the hardships because it was not something I could avoid. And I also wanted to make it to where there was no option, but to talk about anything, but that Um, So it gave no one the option to talk about anything else. And that's the way I wanted it to be. So this book is going to be a lot about the healing portion um, about becoming a mom, about, you know, a little bit steps into more domestic violence and a lot about, um, beginning to be sober and trying to chase after my goals and my dreams. So that's where we kind of like the awakening part of my life, which I'm excited to write about. Um, but definitely the first few pieces of it have been really hard to write. So I'm taking my time. I'm going to have grace and love of myself and I'm just going to not put a timeline on this and I'm going to do it when, um, I'm ready. So we're about 30 pages in and I'm just going to pop it out in the nights when I feel like it's time to grind on that. But yeah, I'm going to be gentle. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And enjoying 
doing so much of what you talk about, right? Enjoying this moment. And, and really it's only been six months since your book's been out. And so just, I know really just feeling the joy of, uh, through that. And, um, yeah. and it's deserved because I think that's so much part of it too. And it'll probably give you the material you need for your next being able to go through this with grace will give you the material you need to kind of probably round out where you're going. And, um, I'm so excited for you. Um, so I know that after listening to this, because I'm like, so lucky to say, I know you, but I know other people are gonna be like, where do I find her? I love her and she's amazing. And I need to know everything. So where can people, um, follow you on social, find you websites, be part of your you know, community or get your book. How do people do that? How do these bean babes get to know you? Absolutely. So, um, the soul grind is the community that you can find on Facebook, um, and Instagram. So we have Facebook and Instagram, but also JD Graham on Facebook. My Facebook is pretty open. After you write a book like that, you kind of like got nothing to hide. So at that point, um, that is, you can follow me on there. Um, and send me messages or also I have merchandise and the books and all that on the soulgrind.com. And it also will show what type of events are coming up, retreats. Um, I have a summit coming up in October. Woohoo! Summit that I'm so excited about. And then um, you also can always email me and give shout outs. I'm just now like loving people's reviews and their messages and their emails about what has resonated with them in the book. It's honestly gotten me through a lot of the hardship of just, you know, being so vulnerable um, and putting all your stuff out there. A lot of people don't see what it's like to do something like that. It's not easy. So the reasons why I did that were to love on so many people and to be able to hear that um, on the Amazon reviews or indirect messages or anything like that has been such a blessing. So hit it up on Amazon. You can also order it online on Barnes and Noble. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear what you think about it too. Yeah. I, um, it's definitely one of those books, you guys, like it's your book will be like highlight, 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 highlight. You're like, okay, let me just actually, <laughs> let me highlight the parts I don't need to highlight. Cause that would be easier. <laughs> let me, everything else. I just want to say to you specifically, um, I could not have done this journey like without boss lady empowered, amazing women. Like you. Um, it was a gift and I couldn't have literally done it with any other group of women. Um, so it was, that was a blessing in itself, but Such to be able joy. to know women that also want other women to rise is not something you see very much. So no. we got to change that narrative. Absolutely. There's plenty of room for all of us. Right. And the more that, the more that rise, the more we, the higher we go. So it's, it's just, we go together. It's really amazing. And I'm so inspired. I know that for me, I have huge goals of writing a book. And every time I see women like you putting that out there, I just, I think it's the coolest thing. So I commend you and celebrate you And it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, which the beam babe lightning round. Are you ready? Um, So I'm going to ask you a series of 11 questions. I ask all my interviewees the same questions because I think it's fun, silly, very off topic. A lot of it doesn't have to do with anything we've talked about. 
but it's a great way for people to get to know you. Um, and 11 is my lucky number. That's why there's 11. So here we go. So fill in the blank. A beam babe is powerful beyond measure. Yes. Favorite song that always makes you dance. Um, Macklemore glorious. (laughs) So good. One of my favorite spin songs. Yeah. Yeah. So good. What are you currently reading? Uh, drop the rock. Oh, got to check that one out. Have you heard about it? No. Yeah. Really good. It's about sobriety. Really I got to check that out. A beam babe that inspires you. I have so many. Um, I mean, you inspire me. I think obviously Anna David is inspiring. Um, so many boss lady women right now that I have like been following just to be inspired to like keep going and telling my truth. So the truth tellers out there, they inspire me when it's messy and authentic. And that's, what's been helping a lot recently. Cheers to the truth tellers. Um, Mm -hmm. the last thing that made you feel grateful. this is making me feel very grateful because it's been messy and hard and just relentless recently. And I think Mm. when we get the opportunity to like talk about the shit that matters, it just feels so good. And it it gets you grounded and it helps you be more aligned. Um, And the, it's this, the conversations that matter and they fuel me. So I'm really grateful for this. And I'm also grateful for my family um, and coffee. I'm gonna go get a coffee after this. Yes, (laughs) me too. Um, When are you most inspired? I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah. Nighttime. That's my dream. Nighttime and probably when you're having coffee at night. (laughs) Yeah. I can drink it at all times and it does absolutely nothing to me now. So (laughs) Like it just tastes good. What always makes you laugh? Oh my gosh. Um, my almost 10 year old cracks me up literally every day. So, um, love it. They are funny. Super funny. I think the biggest comedians, honestly. Um, what is your favorite meal or food? Oh, I love grilled chicken. So grilled chicken wraps. (laughs) I'm obsessed with chicken wraps. I'll try to eat them everywhere. Um, Love it. Um, If you could raid anyone's closet, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, Someone like super badass. I'm trying to think. Um, You know what? I don't know. Because I have just a really, I mean, like anyone that wears a lot of black clothes, that's probably... (laughs) You have great style. You have great style. It's like, you've got like the kind of like cool rocker look going on. You know, yeah. You so know. I would need someone that dresses like that, but it'd be great to just borrow someone's for a while. Yeah. Or just have like an unlimited budget. Like let's go shopping. Oh, that would be even better. Yes. <laughs> um, what is your guilty pleasure? Ooh. Recently it has been cookies and <laughs> confetti cake. There is this Love new place here that has cookies this big 
Oh my gosh. And you go in and they're warm and oh, like, uh-uh. it's Lights out, done. awful. And they change them up every week. So like, we're over here like, oh, what are the cookies of the week? Okay. Let's oh, just go get them. I would be done. Dead. It's out. It's horrible. It's yeah. absolutely horribly amazing. Yeah. I am. I'm like, I love me a good cookie, not cake, but I love me some good cookies. Oh, and when they're like the size of a cake, you can't go wrong. (laughs) And lastly, what makes you beam? Oh my goodness. Um, telling my story. I literally, it puts me in my element. It's not something I have to practice. It's not something I have to rehearse. It's not something I have to look at or study. Literally when I go anywhere to be able to truth tell or tell my story, I just come alive. It's, I think, you know, when we're passionate, when we're doing what we're supposed to do, when it comes seamlessly and that's definitely it. I am so, so honored. And so just, I have this like flow of energy going through me after being able to chat. And I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story, uh, with this community and people are going to just love this episode. I know I did. I'm like, I just like feel inspired. I like, I feel like I need to go right, right now. I've got a lot flowing through me and that's the kind of power. Go right. Have, right. Get it out. Yes. So, Lean thank in. You so, so much. I'm so grateful. And everybody follow JD for more of her amazing stuff and part two coming out, but got to check out part one. All right. Bye yeah. guys. You are the best, Bean Babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another Bean Babe or post it on social and tag me at The Beam Life so I can tell you thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text. Yes, a real text to 323-673-2709 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always, and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.